Hello and welcome to another episode of the Just Some Magic podcast. I am your host, Morgan, and here on Just Some Magic, we like to share people's most magical moments in and out of the theme park. So if you're counting down your days till your next vacation or you're on your way to work wishing to be going to a more magical place, this is the podcast for you. This story is about a couple who went through something very traumatic and they leaned on Disney to help them cope with what they were going through. Our guest today is Chris, who is a dear friend of mine, and he comes on and shares this story. He grew up going to Disneyland since he was a very young kid and knows all about Disneyland. And he shares his stories from trying to spend the entire day going on the very short-lived rocket rods. He also shares his opinions on going to Avengers Campus without any spoilers, so stay tuned for that. Also, at the very end, we have his wife, Bridget, who's also my dear friend, share her side of the story as well. So be sure to stick around after that. If you guys are new here, welcome. We love having you and I hope you guys enjoy these stories that we're going to share. We have episodes every Monday and Thursday, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss a single episode. And if you're listening and want to share your most magical moment, please go to justsomemagic.com to submit your most magical moment to possibly be read on the show. Now on with the show. so excited to have this guest on today. Today we have Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hey, Morgan. Doing great. How are you? Good. Chris is one of my friends from Disneyland. I. How did we meet exactly? I think you and my wife were friends on Instagram. Yes. And then just sort of met up one time at the park and things just spiraled from there. So you're an extremely talented photographer. You've helped me with some of my pictures and you just take amazing pictures around the park. Yeah, thank you. How did you get into all of that and stuff and you kind of grew your hobby? I kind of saw you develop your passion for it. I mean, the photography was just another way to enjoy the parks. Um, my dad's partner is a big photographer and kind of got me out of the mindset of just using a cell phone. So went down the expensive path of, you know, buying a mirrorless camera and lenses. And once you invest a certain amount of money, you uh, don't have a choice but to get good at it or watch your investment just sit there and depreciate. So um, oh. it's been great. And, and from a people watching perspective and just a scenery perspective, um, there's not many better places to just go randomly to take pictures than, than the Disneyland Resort. Oh, absolutely. And like going from each different land and environment around Disney or Disney California Adventure, it it's so diverse. So you could be like, oh, I'm feeling trying this type of photography today and it, this would work best in fantasy land or anything like that. That'd be awesome. And one of my favorite things to do is to get pictures in non-traditional ways. Like everyone gets pictures of the castle mm -hmm. or the Disneyland railroad station and things like that. When I, my favorite picture, for example, of fireworks is not actually of the fireworks. It's a picture of my friend's little boy 
with the expression of awe on his face looking back at the castle and you can definitely see it's during fireworks but that that's the kind of thing i like so if you've seen my instagram and things like that i look for more detaily things or ride shots or stuff that people won't necessarily see on their visits but they can enjoy the next time they go or when they're not there they'll notice a detail when they're when they're there they would miss because they're too frantic running to another ride or something yes and you know you grew up at Disneyland. How was that like? Um, probably spoiled globally speaking. Um, cause back then it was very inexpensive and, uh, I think parents were a lot more liberal with how they raised their children. My mom would just drop me and some friends off and, you know, we, <laughs> it would just be us there and, you know, we'd have five or 10 bucks in our pocket for whatever oh. we wanted to eat and she'd be back to pick us up around four or five or six and it was just it was a lot of fun because we really got to kind of explore the parks as kids not necessarily always 100 percent supervised Ooh, and that's a good place to go it's a very trusting place it's a very happy place and you know it's safe so it's i definitely can see a mom being like yep okay pick you up at six kind of deal <laughs> yeah and yeah, five or ten dollars won't get you very far at Disneyland anymore. <laughs> no, it's about a pretzel, maybe right now. <laughs> maybe a specialty churro for if you were feeling bougie. <laughs> yeah, no dipping sauce. No dipping sauce. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. So, what has been your favorite thing, kind of growing up at Disneyland and seeing the evolution of the park? For me, it's consistency. We we moved around a little bit, and, and my parents got divorced at one time, and so there's not really a place for me to call home, like go back home and see my childhood home. I went to too many schools and high schools and things like that. So for me, it's just kind of like the closest feeling I have towards a semblance of childhood. And so for me, it's always a nostalgic thing to go back. I don't even need to go on rides when I'm in the park. I just walk laps and sit on my favorite benches and just, you know, people watch and take it in. Where are your favorite benches? Uh, The wooden benches behind the Matterhorn facing Autopia are Ooh. the most comfortable benches in the park because they're deep and they don't do that. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, they're they're deep. You can lean back. A lot of benches, you know, they're designed for you to sit and get the weight off your feet, but they're not designed to be overly comfortable because they don't want you sitting there all day. Um, that's why, you know, the ones on Main Street have a little extra bump in the front and things like that. Oh, that makes sense. Now it's like, okay, that's the secret spot. Hopefully no one, not everybody goes runs to those benches <laughs> because of this episode. Well, I mean, they're not practical because you can't, you can't really watch a parade or anything from them. It's kind of an awkward angle for the fireworks, although a good one because you can watch the ones that go off over Small World. But if you're looking for a place to get off your feet and relax and you don't need the air conditioning, I highly suggest the wooden benches behind Matterhorn. Very nice. And you mentioned you don't typically go on rides, but I want you to talk about, like as your friend, like I I know that you have this, but do you want to talk about the app that you created? Yeah. I mean, other people have made apps out public for this one. It, I mean, I should, I should preface this. I might make the app public, but the preface is I've been collecting and analyzing the attraction wait time data from the parks for a number of years now. So I have a mobile app and I have a, a webpage where I can go in and kind of slice and dice and look at the data. And for me, I'm, I'm an analytical nerd. I'm a software engineer by trade. So looking <laughs> at the ebb and flow and the numbers is interesting. It's also really interesting to me to, you know, understand the behavior on a park on the weekend versus a weekday versus a holiday. So yeah, I'm, I'm very efficient about knowing how and when to go on rides and maximize my time in the park. I've done a lot of those do every ride in the park 
days in my history. Yes, we talked about that before your interview of like, oh yeah, I've done every ride in the park countless times. It's it's almost like a tradition that you almost have to do it if you do do rides. Yeah, not not I, I guess not countless times. It's probably only been like five or six where I really actually ticked every single one off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that used to be a lot easier when, you know, they didn't require you to use your fast pass during a particular time window. You could actually use it for the remainder of the day. So you could just what? stack it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a long time ago. Like this is this like a decade ago or more maybe. But when fast passes were first out, if you came after your time, they still let you on the ride. <gasps> It wasn't until maybe the eight years ago that they started like giving you like a half an hour or 15 minute grace period and they were kind of cool about it. And then they, they really started cracking down about two years ago. Oh um, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, back, back in those days, I mean, you could do, you could do every ride, no problem. <laughs> and speaking of rides, what is your favorite? This isn't part of my obscure questions, but I just want to know what your favorite is. Um, oh, that's mean. I hate, to put, I hate to put one in front of another. Um, my favorite like ride ride is probably the train, the railroad, just oh. because you kind of get the whole view and kind of a sense of the entire park. Like for me, for me, the symbolism of being in Disneyland is much more about the place as a whole and what it means to me personally. My favorite like attraction to go on would be Space Mountain. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we've taken some really cool pictures up there. Um, the Elsa ones, because at night, the way it's lit up, it looks like Elsa's castle. And I remember Bridget, your wife, helping me with like to get my kind of cape flip going on and stuff like that. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. That was good, good times. Time. Very yep. good and times. Halloween, we've had fun um, dressing up. And then Dapper Day, we all we all went to Dapper Day together. That was a great time. I was really I was really boring. I just wore a black T-shirt because I'm like, I'm a <laughs> photographer. I'm not supposed to be in front of the camera. <laughs> Yes, but Bridget looked so cute in her Donald Duck Disney bound and I did Briar Rose. And I, I, I mean, I've had you, that picture that you've taken as my profile picture for almost, what, two years now? Because I just, I love that picture so much. Thank you. It was so great. And my favorite picture I've taken around Christmas time was the one when you and I got there like super early in the morning. And I had that like red skirt on and like these candy cane ears. Mm-hmm. Those are my absolute favorite ones that I think you've taken of me because you're just, you're such a good photographer. I, I miss it. You need to come to Disney world because I need some, (laughs) I need some photos bad. I'll like go to the parks and be like, yeah, I forgot to take a picture. If not before, we'll be there when Tron opens. Yes. Oh, wait, that's going to be a while from now. No, I need you guys sooner. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah. They just started at the time of this recording going back to working on Tron again because before I think they were only working on Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster out here in Epcot so yeah mm-hmm. you guys need to come sooner than later or do a run Disney race <laughs> <laughs> it would be all right so and now I'll ask you some fun questions and the question I ask everybody in the very beginning is why do you love Disney uh for me the uh, the love of Disney is primarily tied to the Disneyland Resort and the park specifically I also lived in Paris for a short time and and would go to the Disneyland Paris prior mm-hmm. to there having the equivalent of Hollywood Studios. So it was just the one park. Because there's the Studios Park. Yes. So, I mean, for me, it really is just the park, the atmosphere, and, and the amazing culture and people that have sort of formed around the park. I know that you experienced this when you were out in Southern California, but there really is just a very special community of people, whether it be tied directly to the park or just the city of Anaheim in general. 
really just, I, I love that greater sense of community where there's these people who you may not necessarily know, but because you have a shared value set or a shared interest or a shared love of uh, such a, you know, iconic place, it's just instant friends, whether we're at Napa Rose in the, in the lounge area or just talking to people in line waiting for a ride the atmosphere just can't be beat so i completely agree with you and that is a phenomenal answer i've never heard anybody describe that the way you did and so it just makes me miss disneyland so much (laughs) (laughs) I'm, i'm so thankful that i came up and visited you guys in february before the pandemic started chris and his wife bridget let me come stay there with them when i was visiting to go see the magic happens parade and and I just love spending time with you guys. So I'm so glad I was able to do that. But, and you guys been back since the park reopened. Correct. We've been back a couple of times. We went opening day, which was uh, a lot of fun. Oh, good. Was the energy like all excited? Did you do the Taste of Disney? Uh, we did. We did do Taste of Disney. That just felt like an extension of downtown Disney, especially after they had opened up Buena Vista Street to be part of downtown. Right, right. But Touch of Disney was fun. The food was good. It, I think for us, we we just it was nice to to go back and eat at Carthay. To actually be back in the park with the park opening was uh, a completely different experience than going to downtown or doing Touch of Disney. Oh, that's fantastic! And have you been to Avengers Campus since it opened? Yes. Oh my goodness, that is what I'm so jealous about. Oh my <laughs> gosh, when I was planning to open last summer, before everything really truly got into the nitty gritty of it, but before we realized it was going to be longer than two weeks like they said I was like yeah can I come see with you guys again and come out for Avengers Campus opening and take some awesome pictures and Disney bound with Bridget and then obviously that didn't happen but without spoiling it because I don't want to know too much about Avengers Campus how it how is it I mean it's it's incredibly well done for the space that they had I I think what people the, the disclaimer that I'll give to everybody is Bugs Land was not a big area And Guardians of the Galaxy is now considered part of Avengers Campus. So you have you have the main attraction, you have, you know, some outdoor kind of show and entertainment space. And then it's mainly just food, the the Web Slinger store and, uh, you know, character meet and greets and things like that. So it's a it's it's a very much needed replacement for like Buena Vista Street's backlot area that they were using to do, you know, Marvel character meet and greets. Um, But it's uh, you, you can you can really get it done in a day like the the ride isn't necessarily something you're going to be like oh my gosh I want I, I need to do this multiple times in a day type of thing it's more guardians is more the multiple times in a day kind of thing even if you've already done it <laughs> yeah I mean yeah exactly you got to get all the songs absolutely and I mean if you get if you get burning love a couple times back to back it just feels bad <laughs> Yes, yes. I think that's like one of the weakest songs. Okay, what is, sidebar, what is your favorite Guardians of the Galaxy ride song? Oh, that's mean. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I like how Jackson 5 just gets the whole elevator just pumped. Yes, yes. I think Give Up the Funk probably has the most like unique feeling with the ride, at least like okay. with the cadence of the ups and downs and the drops. Mm-hmm. Born to be Wild opens up well, but it just doesn't, it doesn't fit with the, the bouncy mood. So Right, right. It's a little too slow for how quick it, it goes. I think there's like one part where it drops almost all the way down the elevator shaft with the music, like right when it's like Born to be Wild. That's the only part that it actually lines up great with the music for, like you said, what? 
with how the ride is working and maneuvering and stuff. Exactly. Okay, well, what do you think of Guardians After Dark? Uh, you mean the Monsters After Dark? The, Monsters the After Dark, thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't like the song because it's just like, it, it's a very heavy metal song, which, oh. I mean, I'm not, not into metal, but it's it doesn't fit the cadence of the ride, in my opinion. Really? I think the exact opposite. Like, I don't like metal music, but I like it when they put on the Guardians ride and just how it does work with the music and then the storyline and the Ragnarok dragon monster thing. I just think it's so cool. And I like the addition of the cast members kind of acting all like, okay, the monsters broke out and, you know, they're wearing torn up costumes and they're using their flashlights and I just like the whole environment of that. I'm glad it's not all year long because I would kind of spoil it a bit, but I do like that it's after a certain time of day and they can easily switch that over. For me, it's, you've already got, you had Captain EO in the other park at one time. Really, mm-hmm. you should have just put Thriller on the ride. Ooh, ooh, that's good. It'd probably yes. cost way too much in licensing to do though. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Okay, so my next official question I was going to ask you is, which Disney parks have you visited? So you mentioned Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. Has there been any others? Uh, That's it. We need to get you out of Disney World stat. I know, but I was like a, I mean, I was like a Disneyland Resort purist for a long time until Disneyland Paris became a thing. And then after that, because I mean, Paris is, I think, the prettiest castle. I think that's pretty fairly accepted, widely accepted, widely accepted. Um, after that, I mean, and, and they have the best Thunder Mountain as well. Oh, what makes that one different? Because I, I haven't been there and I, I don't know. So if you compare it to the Disneyland Resort, Big Thunder actually loads outside of what would be the Rivers of America. But the ride takes place on what is for us Tom Sawyer's Island. So the train goes under the water and does its you know, track primarily what? out in the island and then comes back and loads on the other side. Okay, that makes sense because um, a two girls I've had that are one's from Belgium and one is a cast member in Paris and she was talking about Big Thunder Mountain and how much she liked it. I didn't understand like, oh, like Big, Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain's a great ride, but it's not like my favorite. And so that makes a lot more sense. That sounds so cool. The, the whole Western vibe it is very popular in in Europe, especially for Germans. Like if you've ever been oh. to like Southern Utah, if you go to any of the the major like Red Rocks National Parks areas, mm-hmm. you know there'll be locals, but there'll there'll always be a couple German families. It, it's pretty phenomenal. But that being said, Disneyland Paris did not go light on their expenditure on their Big Thunder or just their entire kind of frontier land area. Like that's probably the area you find some of the best food in the park over there. Definitely mm-hmm. not the case here in Anaheim because the, the, re- the, the, the Mexican restaurant that's there is not uh, Oh fabulous. yes. I've, I know people that have gotten sick from that restaurant. No, 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 no. <laughs> I hear it's good for breakfast, but the, the rest of the day. Questionable. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Disneyland has such good food. Like there are a million other places you can go that is just so much better. Mm-hmm. I I will tell you this, being in Orlando, I truly miss Disneyland food tremendously. (laughs) And I try to explain to Disney World people, I'm like, yeah, the food at Disneyland is so much better. And they're like, oh, well, this is good. I'm like, no, 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 no. It is not good. Go to Disneyland. And then even worse than Disney World, Universal's food in Orlando, it's all the same hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, fries, at every single location, like there's very little variety. And that's just something I truly appreciate at Disney Park, that there's at least a variety going on there. Mm-hmm. Disneyland is definitely top tier of food. 
Just anything else you wanted to say about Disneyland Paris? They have a great Space Mountain. I love the vibe of Discovery Land, which is their frontier land. They went for the whole like futuristic steampunk Jules Verne type of look. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it works really well because it just it aged so much better than like Tomorrowland in Anaheim, which right. is probably the next major overhaul the park needs to look at. Oh, yeah. Here at Disney World, too, for sure. They've already been tearing up the concrete recently. And the ride that's to the immediate left where Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters would be, that's where the Stitch Ride was. And that's been gutted, I think, for a while now. Or at least I know the ride's been taken apart. <laughs> Hmm. But yeah, Tomorrowland definitely needs an update. And I, I think the steampunk, like you said, is so cool. And it aged so much better than what we got going on in Tomorrowland. Okay, so speaking of Tomorrowland and kind of futuristic, if you were to design a new Disney ride, what would be something you'd want to focus on? Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the track is condemned at this part, but I'd rather just bring back People Mover and Skyway. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Okay, can you explain to people why the people mover is condemned the way it is? Because there's some people that don't know about at Disneyland that it's not up and running. So many years ago, people mover because of popularity, probably cost of operating and a lot of other incidental issues decided to close its people mover. It was later replaced with a ride called the Rocket Rods, which only lived for about nine months at the Disneyland Resort. Oh, it wasn't even a year? It was. It did not. I, if, if I recall correctly, it was only nine months. It, it didn't last a whole year. It was notoriously unreliable and would break down all the time or the sensors would just trip, trip too frequently. So they could not, they couldn't guarantee safe operation, but uh, the rocket rods were kind of like a, it was a replay. It used the people mover track, but it was like these little six person ride cars, a car, not like radiator Springs, but you know, a small car that, you know, would use straights to kind of go quick and then slow down for turns and things like that. So it kind of gave you that nice aerial view of the park and also was meant to be kind of like a, a very lighthearted, not, not quite roller coaster. It was impossible to get on because everyone <laughs> was in standby lines for it. Um, it broke down so much. There were days that I had come and literally just got to the park, sat in line and stayed in line until we had to leave and did not get on the ride. I think I got what? on it twice in its its history. Whoa. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And I mean, and that's because like there were days where it was only up for like two or three hours or even after it had officially opened. I think there were days it didn't even open that entire day. Oh my gosh. It sounds like certain rides here in Orlando that have difficulty opening or they open too soon for what they are. Can you tell people why it didn't continue? I mean, with that reliability rate, they just couldn't, they couldn't justify keeping the ride open or running the ride. And so what's happened to the track, it, it's, it, it snakes all through Tomorrowland and it, you know, runs along the monorail and goes through the trees above finding Nemo and the Autopia Disneyland. It, it just, it's too integrated with everything that they can't really tear the track down. And mm-hmm. they haven't done anything with the track in, in years. Like there's, it's just overgrown in trees. I'm, I'm sure if they wanted to do anything with it, it'd be a completely, you know, rebuild, uh, which they probably couldn't do with modern fire coats. Like the whole reason Matterhorn was uh, down for maintenance for so long after the reopening is because they have to structurally from the inside repair it and, oh. and, and perform upgrades uh, because they can't tear it down and rebuild it because modern building code won't let you build that vertical of a, a shape. 
like it'll oh. like the Matterhorn. So if they took it down, they'd have to replace it with a smaller mountain or something no. entirely different. Yeah, no, we need we need that Matterhorn the way it is, even though that ride hurts me. <laughs> I don't like that ride very much. I'm too tall for it, I feel like. And so you got to do it. And so you want the people mover to be revitalized and come back to life from the dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the people mover was the best, would be the best place to take pictures from and just kind of get like a, a larger sense of the park because there's not many like high point vistas where you can look out and see, you know, stuff at a lower elevation than you in mm-hmm. the park. You know, there's the the kind of grandstands off to the side of the parade route in front of Small World, which is mostly dining tables right now. And then there's uh, New Orleans Square, which again, also viewing area for for Fantasmic is, those are really the only two places where you can kind of stand and get a nice long line of sight across the park. (laughs) Making me miss Disneyland. Okay, my next question is, what is an unpopular Disney opinion that you have? Unpopular Disney opinion. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I feel like you'd have a lot. (laughs) I mean, I I probably have an unpopular opinion on just about any subject. Ooh, okay, okay. (laughs) Give us a couple. Uh, Here, give me a genre and I'll throw one at you. Mm, I mean, I don't feel like this is... But like Disneyland specifically, not DCA, not Disney World, just Disneyland specifically. Unpopular opinion. Um, As much as I do love them, I think that the parades and fireworks outside of very special occasions should probably not be a regular thing at the park. So. I, I Blasphemy. Know, I know. Let, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. You better um, explain yourself. <laughs> the, the park's crowdedness, let's call it, is most, neg- most highly and negatively impacted right now, in my opinion, by the fact that they're trying to do too many shows at the same time, and it just completely log jams the entire park. Um right. I, I I love each one of the shows. I think they're great. There's nothing that bothers me more than like being there in the evening. I can't do anything around New Orleans Square, or go to Splash Mountain or Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean because that whole area is just, you know, a parking lot. Uh, <laughs> then you can't do anything around the hub or Main Street because everyone's camped for fireworks at the same time. And then immediately after, whether it's paint the night or let's say they they decide to bring back electrical parade again. Oh, please no. Let let electrical parade die for its hundredth time. No, got to bring that back. That song's too good. (laughs) The song's too good. It's. (laughs) There's another unpopular Disney opinion. You like electrical parade? Absolutely. I mean, I like it. Like, there's nostalgia to it, but like, it just let it die a peaceful death. They brought it back so many times, and like, all right, the last time we're shining on Main Street, and then, and then going from Paint the Night too. Paint the Night is so much better. I feel like, and the songs are different, and you know, there's fun new characters in it compared to Electrical Parade. Oh, okay. Wait, why do you love it so much? Let's let's talk about the Electrical Parade. Yeah. I mean, first part would obviously be nostalgia because when I was a kid in the park, that was that was what you saw. And that music was much more played. I mean, they still do play it like in downtown Disney occasionally and things like that. 
but the electrical parade noise was played a lot at night, even if it, even if the parade wasn't running in, you know, in, mm-hmm. in older days at Disneyland. It would often be played on the Tomorrowland stage. Like back in the day, there used to be a band that would come up from the floor where they do the Jedi training stuff now and have, you know, Kylo or Vader come out. So like, you know, they, they would play, they just play that music everywhere. That music is just synonymous with Disneyland. It is, like, it you is. Can't, you can't get rid of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, going back to the original point, I love fireworks. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the park needs them every night. I don't need, oh. they have a permit for like 200 something days a year, which is, you know, to me, I just look at it as an enormous expense. And for people who want to do something other than, participate in the nighttime spectaculars take advantage of those rides when the the lines are really short they're just they're, they just get the shaft because wherever they want to go is one-way traffic and you know right. they just have a cast member shining a flashlight in their eyes while they're waving them through these tiny narrow little walkways where you're trying to get through as quickly as possible but you know there's right. somebody who's stopped on the side trying to to watch a show that's preventing you from getting to where you want to be yes and then they have to open up the backstage areas on main street just to even like crowds in and out that are just trying to get in and enjoy the park and stuff where i mean i can i can agree with that i can see that would you compromise with me because this is actually going to happen um at disney world they only have one parade a day compared to disneyland's that has two mm-hmm. would that be a little better oh absolutely i mean i what i would like for them to do is simply do one per day slash time frame so one afternoon show whatever that is mm-hmm. or one or two i mean i i don't count like mickey and the magical map or like things going on in the hyperion theater because right that have their own yeah those don't interrupt the the rest of the park but mm-hmm. what really bugs me is it's like as soon as sunset you know world of color they start just roping off the entire area and it makes it makes the park more crowded it takes away you know nice walking paths it takes away photo opportunities it just yeah i don't know it just it kind of it's not that it ruins it for me or anybody but it's like mm-hmm. it'd be nice if there was a safe place you could go if you're like hey I'm with my family who doesn't really care about parades. You know, we'd like to do something else. And I know that's a very like childless millennial type of thing for me to say. <laughs> um, my, my defense of that is very simple. If you give people better options of things to do other than be at the parade at that time, mm. then for the people who really want to be at the parade, it will be less crowded. They'll be able to uh-huh. find a good spot later. But because you're kind of forcing the whole park to shut down for a, a number of hours, not shut down, but, you know, get very congested for a number of hours, you're, you're, you know, it, it's not worth it to try and do something else or to like, you know, walk all the way around parade routes or, or, or Fantasmic or something, you know, it's just a little bit too hard. I mean, thankfully we have Star Wars land now where we can kind of, if you want to get to Splash while Fantasmic is prepping and, you know, everyone's camped out there. That, that might become a good scenic you know, route. <laughs> yeah, a good scenic route. But I mean, that, again, that goes back to the, are you, is your group young and fit and healthy and can and incur the extra, you know, quarter or half mile worth of walking to be mobile during that time? But if there was right. just a, a good place for people to go who didn't want to do the parade, it would make it better for the people who do want the parade. I, I can agree with that. Yes. And I, and I'm a big parade person. So at first I was like, no, we need all the entertainment that we can. And after hearing your explanation, that totally makes sense. So I'm okay with your statement. <laughs> okay. And one last question I forgot to ask in the beginning is not necessarily your favorite character, but what character do you most identify with that you're the most similar to? I mean, I'm from, I'm from the generation. So maybe Gadget. Gadget? 
Yeah. From Rescuers. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that. And if I have, it's been years. So tell us about Gadget. Who is I'm, that? I'm just thinking kind of like the analytical engineer type of mind. Gadget, Gadget. Is that a girl? Yeah. Gadget's Go Coaster. Yes. Okay. Wow. I'm an idiot. I'm a horrible Disney fan. I need to give up my podcast right now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. The, so the Rescue, Rescue Ranger Ranger. shows. Like Rescue the- Rangers. Oh, she's so cute. Okay. So describe her to the people that don't know, including myself. Um, she's just kind of the, you know, she's the the inventor engineer mouse that's that's part of the show and you know obviously chip and dale are is is the name or the you know the front runners for it i mean in you know for the the whole concept i'm I'm probably butchering this myself because i haven't watched it recently either yeah i would say that's pretty accurate Awesome. Okay. Well, Chris, thank you so much for answering all of those questions. You had very creative answers. So thank you again. Um, but now I'll let you take it away and share your most magical moment. So uh, most recent magical moment was obviously going back to Disney for the first day. To set this up, the Disneyland Resort was closed for 412 days. Like, oh. That's, that's, I mean, when you say 14 months, cool. When, you know, for a year, when you really quantify 412 days, that's a long time. And, and I mean, my wife and I were very much attached to the park and the culture, but, you know, we, we don't even have the same level of attachment as, as some people do. You know, there's, you know, famous people like, uh, I believe it's Dave Hale, who, you know, the, the gentleman who has been on cars like 10,000 times. Right. Um, yes. And Peter too, who, 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 who's a frequent visitor to the park who often claps on main street and brings, you know, that kind of, uh, that positive atmosphere there. So like, I mean, reopening the resort wasn't just like an important or magical moment for us or for me. It was, it was important for all of Orange County and, and possibly, you know, greater Riverside and Los Angeles as well, because it just represents such a big reach into, into so many communities. And I mean, you, you were in Florida, so you didn't uh, experience the, uh, I think the same pandemic that, that we did here. But um, I was there for a couple of months and even just going to downtown Disney was very exciting, even though downtown Disney in comparison to Disney Springs here in Florida is day and night, how different it is and how the size of it, a Disney world is just so much bigger, but just even having that little bit of Disney downtown Disney open was very exciting. Yeah. I mean, uh, between that and, you know, not being able to go into the parks, going to downtown Disney actually made me more sad than it made me happy. Oh no. So yeah, back, back to the, the story here, 412 days, you know, that's 412 days for employees who worked at the park for 30 years to, to not work for 412 days. And I, and clearly obviously not wanting to find another job or switch careers or moved, which a lot of people ended up doing either mm-hmm. because they had to, or financially they couldn't, you know, make ends meet. Like Southern California is not an inexpensive place to live. So the, the magic of having the park open, it, it very much lifted the spirits of a lot of people 
just just all around. I mean, even even here in Irvine, uh, where where I live, simply having the park open changed the way people were kind of talking about the future, talking about how um, you know there there is something on the other side of this never ending right. year that we, we that we had. Um, so going back was just kind of like this relief or pressure valve that just kind of made everyone feel like we were more back to normal. It gave you hope. Exactly. It, it gave us hope. It made us feel like that this this isn't going to last forever. And I mean, for, for listeners not from California, uh, there's a reason why California was kind of the butt of every pandemic joke because we, until you know, it was recently a month and a half ago, were still under as strict of quote lockdown as many states saw during the entire time. Mm-hmm. I remember I visited, you know, a few other states during the pandemic, either to go visit, you know, family or, you know, hang out with friends in other states. And it was like I went, you know, I went to Arizona. I ate indoors. I, I could I could go to a restaurant. Like it had been eleven months since I had literally se- stepped inside of a dining establishment. Like the simple idea of being served food was uh, completely off. And then those that just are unaware of Disney news and stuff, Disneyland opened, but a couple months later in June or July, I can't even remember. And then Disneyland's over there waiting, like you said, 14 months. How how many days was it again? 412. (laughs) 412 days where Disneyland, maybe just in the double digits. I don't know. I haven't done the math, but yeah, so that must have been hard too, just seeing just, I don't want to say the lack of precautions, but just seeing how everybody else did differently. And then California is just like, okay, when is it our turn? When are yeah. things going to be good? Saying how frustrated they were because they they had the data. They knew they were able mm-hmm. to operate Disney World safely. And Disney World is a destination. People are traveling from other areas. Like Disneyland is a very regional thing. I mean, most people, yeah. most people who come to Disneyland, it's because they already have a connection to Southern California. They are from Southern California or they're from somewhere in the Western United States where going to Florida doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And then if you ask any Disney fan that hasn't been to either of the parks, if you say, Hey, your cost is going to be the same. Your flights are going to be the same. Everything is going to be the same, but which would you rather go to Disneyland or Disney world? I feel like 90% of them would say Disney world. And, and for, in my honest opinion, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've never mm-hmm. been to Disney world, but I know on paper, if I was not tied to this park, everything else about the experience would probably be better there. And, and, and what I'll, mm-hmm. what I'll add to that is, you know, Disneyland is always going to be more expensive. Like yeah. it's, it, there's no real way to get around that because, you know, in, in, in outs in, in Orlando suburbs, it's just a much cheaper park to operate. Um, so especially if you're trying to make your budget go further, like I would, I would never recommend, um, Anaheim unless you've got, you know, friends and family you can stay with, or you have some other connection to the area or region where it makes more sense. Absolutely. And there's the ticket, the annual passes alone, you get four parks here and two parks there, but yet Disneyland's is still more expensive. But anyway, anyway, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... So, yeah, I mean, well, Disneyland is a much bigger single park, I think, than any of the other single parks because it you know, can't subdivide any smaller than it currently is. But, yeah, that's right. neither here nor there. Back to the back to the story here. We'll <laughs> probably cut, we'll cut some of this, I'm sure. <laughs> um, you know, it was just the, the magic of having it back was just um, 
just spectacular. I mean, the, you know, simply arriving at the park, even the parking staff, it was just so, you know, it was so nice to see people. They were so happy. Um, I, I can't imagine what it was like to be a cast member. Obviously my, my, uh, profession was very not impacted by this, uh, by this, uh, pandemic. So, you know, the whole time I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, what, what must it have been like to spend, you know, 412 unknown days, very with no end in sight, really, at, at as recently as, you know, March of this year, with, with no reasonable, hey, is this ever going to end, be be not working, stuck on furlough or, um, mm-hmm. you know, waiting to be called back to your job and, and trying to worry about your family and your friends in the meantime, you know, it, it just broke my heart. So just going back, just release this enorm- enormous pressure valve, I think, for so many people. Um, and, and it just gave us something happy and hopeful to to enjoy and be cheerful about. Um this, this came at such a fortuitous time for my wife and I. She doesn't know that I'm going to say this, but I don't mind because I, I think people mm. need to talk more publicly about when things aren't perfect. We talk, on, we, we talk on social media so much about how great our lives are and we're trying to project some perfect version of our life, but we don't talk about the hard times enough. And I mean, for us, what, what Disney really did for us is, you know, it gave us that kind of positive, happy hope and beacon because we found out about a week or two before that my wife was pregnant. And, you know, only about a week or two later, we found out that she had miscarried. And I'll be honest, like, had I the level of like kind of COVID depression that I was at before visiting the park, I I don't know how well I would have responded to having to go through that without having that shot in the arm. You know, and I think that's really what Disneyland for myself and a lot of locals really is. It's just this forever place that we have that will always evoke positive memory, positive experience. You know, a lot of people go to Disneyland when they're going through hard times because they need to feel happy between, you know, when I, when I was, you know, making, you know, job transitions and things like that. One of the few things I would always do, even if, you know, I, I didn't have my next job lined up or something was go to Disneyland, even though it's an expensive day, it was, is the type of positive uplift I needed to, you know, push me through to the next step. And so my slash our magical moment wasn't really any one special thing that happened. It's, it's what the, the symbolism of the park and, and the mouse and everything that goes with that means to people in their day-to-day lives and, and not having that for, you know, 412 days was, was very hard. I mean, it's not that I'm a, a Disney addict or something like that. I, I am, but you know, we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> but you know, not having that as a, as a coping mechanism to deal with the, you know, day-to-day stresses of a very volatile year and a half was just, it was, you know, it was incredibly sad to go through. And then it was off, obviously an incredible relief on the other side to feel like, Hey, you know what, we're, we're going to get back to normal might take a while but we'll get there. Yeah, sure. We we had told a very few number of people. We we thankfully had a friend of ours another uh blogger Instagrammer give her a shout out Mornings with Mickey. Um Mickey Bonnie who was there who took pictures for us to kind of be like our Dumbledore secret keeper. We bumped into her and so she she took pictures for us. We had only told like immediate family. So it was, you know, it was kind of and it would have been the first grandchild on on my side of the family. So it it definitely uh probably had a bigger impact 
in that sense. But obviously we don't regret telling people or taking the pictures, but having, having the parks is just kind of like a, a morale shot in the arm, positive morale shot in the arm just helps get through those difficult times. And I think that's what the park represents to me more than anything is it, it, it's just this place you can go to where things feel better. Um, and, and so that's, you know, part of the magic of the park. And I, and I don't think it's really Walt Disney, the company. I don't even think it's Disney. It's really the people who buy into the system to make it such a, a fun and magical place that, that kind of lets it be that beacon when things are not easy. I, I a thousand percent agree. I think I've shared this on the podcast a couple of times, but when I was able to go back to Disney World for the first time, I bawled my eyes out after seeing Mickey wave at me. And I was like, I didn't realize I was going to get this emotional. Like I was just, you know, happy and excited to be back in the park. But when I saw Mickey, I was like (laughs) this blubbering, not even crying, just blubbering for about 12 minutes, like uncontrollably. Like, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm just really just happy. I didn't know realize how much I needed to see Mickey. Yeah. I mean, Bridget definitely did the same thing when we were walking through Main Street. I didn't just because I, I, I'm not a crier. But yeah, um, you're definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) After being your friend, like you're, you're very much you you keep your emotions within a uh, in check for sure. Where Bridget's the very happy, expressive one. Like you two are complete opposites, and I love your dynamic. No, I uh, I'm an aspiring Vulcan, so I you know I I try and try and bury emotion as much as possible. It was a, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I was like, what's a Vulcan? Uh, it's a Star Trek thing. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, long, long story short, I, I was as emotional as I could be. Um, but I, I mean, for me, it, it was much more about, you know, what, what it meant to the employees, the cast members, what it meant to the local hotels and the local restaurants. Um, that, that part of Orange County that serves both the Disneyland Resort and Knott's Berry Farm was just absolutely devastated by this. And um, one of my good friends is on the city council in Irvine. And mm-hmm. so was very much in touch with you know everything going on in the region. And you know, it was just very hard knowing what various cities and, and people and businesses were being forced to do to make it through all this. And so you know, it just, it it represented so much just in terms of the health of the, you know, the health of the community, uh, you know, people being able to go back to work. Like the first thing, one of the waitresses at Carthay mentioned to us is she's just like, I will never complain about this job ever again. Um, because she felt, she, she, she felt what it was like to not have it in her life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of really where my heart was at and, you know, why we wanted to go back and obviously support it. And, um, I can't, I can't say that going to the park right now is for everybody because I think that, uh, it's, it's a kind of stressful and difficult to navigate right now. You're um, right. Even but, as someone who's gone to Disneyland countless times coming from Florida, I'm just like, I don't know how the system works. I don't know why these ticket prices are the way they are. So I'm just going to wait it out a little bit and wait till like everything's back to normal. And then maybe think about planning a Disneyland trip. Yeah, I mean, and visiting you guys, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what 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 does play a, a large role in it is you know what wh- how do you, uh, so the advice I would give if you want to include this in the podcast is of course um, you need to evaluate what your group makeup is going to be and and whether or not the things that you like to do are things you can get out of the park right now. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, food is more complicated than it needs to be. 
it's it's frustrating to find or get food. Most things are mobile order and they're not very well structured. They've been getting better. So this, this might not age well. Um, <laughs> obviously the park is operating as standby only, which I believe Florida is as well, which makes yes, sense. Yes. Yeah. But which makes complete sense. But at the same time, the things to understand are you get a lot more tired, much more fast, much more quickly when you're standing still than when you're walking. So you will, you will be more tired you'll probably spend less time in stores and eating because you're going to be stuck in a standby queue to go on mm-hmm. uh, rides. So if you need that shot, if you need the Disney shot, proverbial shot in the arm from Disney, <laughs> then I say absolutely go. But like, for example, you know, for people like my, uh, you know, like my, my dad and, and partner and, and some of our friends who are you know older, who would go to the park, who can't do the, you know, 13, 16, 18, 21 mile walking days or standing. Yes. There's, yes. yeah, there, there's no way that right now is, is a great time to bring them to the park. So if you were like a serial rider of rides via fast pass and then did short standbys, it will be a very tiring Disney day for you. Oh, it's, it's a totally different endurance for sure. Even just I, I call it, you probably have this too, like your Disney walk. There's like a normal walk from like, you know, in the grocery store every day. And then you have your Disney walk of like, I need to get from point A to point B. It's not running. It's not speed walking. It's just this very specific walk. And I lost mine for a bit and I had to get back into it. Um, did you kind of have the same thing? I mean, from a, from a tiredness perspective, not really, but from like, I think the two things that got to me the most was the kind of shuffle walk you do in a standby line. Oh that, yeah. That I was not in, in great shape for. <laughs> especially when you know they have the six foot they, they have the six feet markers out because mm-hmm. the the line would stretch so far that there was very little shade I, I feel like the whole experience between the reservations everyone arriving at the beginning of the day having to deal with the the current boarding group systems makes the park favor regulars i i, I can't even imagine trying to explain to somebody who's not done Disney before how seriously they have to take getting a boarding group for web slingers or rise of the resistance right now. Oh, absolutely. I see it. Even my friends who've gone countless times, I see their stories of, Oh, we didn't get web slingers. We didn't get rise of the resistance. I'm just going to cancel my reservation and go home. Yep. And I'm just like, dang, like that's wild. I mean, I I'll, I'll be honest. Like I've given away since, since the, since the return, I've given away Rise of the Resistance boarding group cards because, like, a group behind me, um, you know, in Haunted Mansion, you know, they're from, I mean, I've, I've done Rise enough that I'm okay, you know, passing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're like, how do we, you know, they asked me, like, how do we get on the ride, blah, blah, blah. We were up at seven. We thought we were good. And, you know, I, it's really annoying to have to be the person to be like, I, I, you were on at the right time. The tickets go in about 10 to 15 seconds and you know it's it's pretty obnoxious to to get some like and disney's not really transparent about how difficult they are to get Mm -hmm. it's kind of like if you've done your research you get rewarded but even then it's still like a hit or miss kind of thing well even if you do your research like experience there's no substitute for experience in this respect it used to be pre-pandemic it used to be you could only make one request per minute so you just you know very carefully make sure that you made your request immediately after you know eight whatever it was 801 back then now you can sit and spin on the page as quickly as possible and i and i mean 
for you know for somebody who's not disney trained and somebody who thinks that disney has taken your money and they're going to make sure you have a good time to have to explain to your kid who you've been hyping up about going on the spider-man ride for three months when you've driven in from out of state let's say you drove in from like utah or arizona or something and mm-hmm. then having to explain to them that they can't go on the ride and there's literally no way that you can get them on the ride uh, like I, I would just be devastated. I would be heartbroken for, you know, whoever that would be. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd kind of want to add about your story and just how much Disneyland mean to you and kind of end on a positive note before we close out? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just can't say how, you know, thrilled and, and happy I am to see it open again and see the community sort of coming back to life. I'm sure you've experienced that on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it really did, even not being in the park as often as we were, since there's no annual passes, just knowing that it's there has just become kind of a security blanket. You know, that would be, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the reason is that people go to Disneyland, I just, I, I the magical thing for me is what you take from the park to bring back with you in your day-to-day life. I love that. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing that personal story. And we'll have all of Chris's links in the show notes. And again, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on and giving us a little touch of Disneyland, even though we're not there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This next story is from Bridget W., who is Chris's wife, and she shares her perspective of the story. We scored tickets to opening day at Disneyland. I couldn't believe it had been 424 days since we had stepped our foot into the park. Fun fact, the last time I went was with Morgan, me, to see the Magic Happens parade. Talk about an amazing parade. I listened to that Todrick Hall song on repeat as much as I could since it was the most recent memory I had at the parks before the world shut down. But anyways, I'm getting off topic. Chris and I are one of those people that went to Disneyland at least once a week. It was our date night. It was the perfect way to see friends from out of town, and it was a perfect getaway from real life when we didn't want to do chores on Saturday morning. Sometimes we just went to grab dinner and walk around. It was and is our favorite place to go and hang out. On April 30th, 2021, we walked down Main Street USA for the first time, and I couldn't contain my tears. Full on bawling. Thank goodness for my sunglasses and mask. Chris and I were finally home. We also had a little secret that we couldn't believe finally happened. We had never planned to be that cliche couple that did that since no one had been in the parks for a year and a half. It no longer seemed cliche. We dressed in matching outfits, which never happens, and brought along a special prop for our picture. Looking for the perfect place, we ran into one of our friends. We happily spilled the beans with her as I took my little onesie out of my purse in front of the castle for our announcement picture. We couldn't wait to finally tell the world we were having a baby. After being married for 10 years and trying for a while, we couldn't believe it was finally our time to be parents. The congratulations at the castle and the random people who had witnessed our photo shoot and came up to me during the day to wish me congratulations had me in tears. We were floating on air. Just being at Disneyland to celebrate a happy moment in our life was all I could have asked for and more. A couple of weeks later was the worst day of my life. I had a miscarriage and a couple minutes later I had a dream job opportunity thrown in my face. 
I wish I could say I was strong, but I wasn't. I had never been so devastated. I do know everything happens for a reason and everything will be okay. I'm continuing to be prayerful and hoping that for a little bit of pixie dust for the future. The beauty of Disneyland and why I'm so happy that we have it back in our lives, it was a little escape from the fires of the world. A happy place. A place when life brings you down, you can put on a silly mouse headband, skip down Main Street, and act like a kid again no matter what's going on in your life. More than ever, I needed Disneyland. Though it's not a baby, I can't wait to announce that I'm checking off one of my lifelong bucket list items and that will be working at Disneyland Resort starting in August. Life doesn't always go the way you think, but I know sometimes you have to make some of your own dreams come true. you guys enjoyed this episode with Chris and Bridget. I would like to thank them both for opening their hearts and sharing that story with us. And if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. It truly helps this podcast out and just some magic grow so new people can discover us. And also share with one of your Disney friends that you think would like this podcast. Again, we have episodes every Monday and Thursday, so be sure to subscribe. And last but not least, if you have a magical moment that you would like to share, please go to justsomemagic.com and click on the share your magic button. I can't wait to read all of your stories, but until next time, Bye.